Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. New day, beginning of a new week, working week, the last day of this month, Lord. We come to you by faith. The author, the finisher of our faith, work in us. Let your word do its word, work, Lord. He said, by the washing of the water of the word. We are prepared each day for the coming of the Lord. Even today, Lord, let your word do its work. Come at all here online, the little ones, everyone, Father, into thy hands. Speak in a way only you can. Impress upon the little hearts too, Lord, what you are trying to teach us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, we go to Revelation chapter 2. Yes, from verse 1 onwards, a church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Okay? So if something is written, that means you have to read it. Not say, it's right means you have to read it. All of you can read? Yes. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Meaning, the one who is speaking is God, Jesus. The one who is writing is John. The one who is reading is all of us. Okay? So it's God who is speaking. What is he saying? I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. We looked at it last week. All commendations. Okay. Fantastic. Then comes the indictment. Nevertheless. Okay. Never the less. Not never the more. Nevertheless. When you hear nevertheless, okay, it should become less and not more. I have this against you. Not I have so far. I have this for you. Now he's coming to what he has against us. That's when our ears should go up. When the answer seat comes, oh, this is good, 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 but that's when your ears should go up. God says, I have this against you. What is it? You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else. Now God is changing his tone. Or else. Okay, take it seriously. Or else. I will come to you quickly. Not slowly. I'll come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place unless you rebuke. Okay, unless you repent. So, yeah, we'll go stay there today. 
So after the commendation comes the indictment. Nevertheless, I have this against you. We looked at also. What did you do? You left your first love. Okay? So that word left is very important. Because if that word left is not there, if he says that you don't have the first love, then we need to find out what is his first love. They knew it. They had it. They had it. Okay, so if you don't have something, then God indicting you over it, there won't be an indictment. He will say, no, you are good, 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 this, nevertheless, you lack one thing. And you need to have it also. But that's not what he's saying. You had something. You had something. Okay, you had something and you have lost it. So you have left it. Okay, so go back. Now comes the word. Okay. It all begins with that word in verse 5 is the word remember. Okay, remember. It's one of the most powerful faculties God has given the human mind. The ability to remember and the ability to forget. Both. Okay, animals have it. Okay, but not like us. Animals have it. Okay, but not like us. They don't remember everything. We have the capacity to remember. Even we think we have forgotten, which is true. But if something from the past comes, we are able to go back and retrace it back. Yesterday, I was showing a couple of children, you know, a picture when I was in class four. Okay, that's a long, long, even Pastor Vijay wasn't born, okay? <laughs> okay. That was a long, long time ago. And then, now that place has completely changed. The building has changed. Everybody in the picture has changed. But I showed them a building. And I said, this is the house I stayed. This was my bedroom. I can only see it from outside. This was my bedroom. This is the kitchen. This is the ceiling. And this is from where I used to climb and go on to the top and make my house there. Okay, you know what? I can very clearly remember when I saw that picture. Okay, I could tell you with detail exactly how it was. It's because we forget nothing. We remember everything. If God wants, he can bring to our remembrance everything. That is something which only the human mind has because we were made in the image of God. So, God over and over uses both words in the Bible. Remember, remember. Remember, remember, okay? Because if we don't have the capacity both to remember and forget, then we will not have the capacity to do the other things God asks us to do, to repent and to do again. All those things won't be possible. So we need to have these two capacities, the capacity to remember and also to forget. So here the church is being asked to remember and not forget. Okay, because uh, your memory can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes we remember the things we should forget, and we forget the things we should remember. That is the usual conflict in homes. You you forgot what I should have remembered. Okay, and when they fight, they remember the things which they should have forgotten. Okay, it's a double. In Philippians three thirteen. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one of those things I do, I do, 
So consciously we can do these things. We can consciously remember or we can consciously forget. Okay? We can consciously remember or we can consciously forget. Okay? That's the way it is. We either forget or whether we remember. And he says, you know what, there are a lot of things in my past which I have to forget. Because if I don't forget, what will happen? I will not be able to go forward. Okay? Here it's a different thing. Can you reduce it by one notch or just put the uh, AC on? Okay? Or else what will happen is that, he says, if I don't forget these things, I will not be able to go forward. To the church here, God says, if you don't remember those things, you will not be able to go forward. Because both this got to do with an onward progression of our life with God. So sometimes we have to forget and use our will. I choose to forget. He says, one thing I do. So we can choose to forget. We can choose to forget. And we can choose to remember. Okay? So we have to use both as the Spirit of God leads both to remember or forget. Because God does both. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. 10, 17. He adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Remember no more. He chooses. I mean, he feels he has got a memory. Okay, his memory bank, we have no clue. But he says, I remember no more. Hebrews 8, 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Okay, Psalm 25, 7. What is the prayer? Remember, we sing that song, right? Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. Instead, according to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake. Basically saying, forget what I was, just remember who you are. I was terrible, you are good, in your goodness, forget all the stuff I have done and just, he says, no, don't, see, don't forget who you are. That's what he's saying. Don't forget who you are. Who are you are? You're merciful, gracious, good. Okay? And please forget who I was. Okay? So you need to realize there's an up in the Bible always to these two faculties of the human mind and God's mind. The capacity to remember and the capacity to forget. Okay? Because these are very important words connected with the word, the solution, which is called repentance. Okay? Come to First Kings chapter 2 and verses 5 to 9. Moreover, you know, this is David's final advice to his young son, Solomon. He's going to die. Before that, he's giving his final counsel. Okay, like Jacob did with his children and all he's giving. You know what job the son of Jeriah did to me? And what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed? He shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. What is he saying? That man has never repented. He has never changed his ways. So remember. 
remember. Remember him. Okay, the man has not changed his way. So remember what he has done in the past also. Remember. Then he talks about, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gilead and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. He says, another set of people, the sons of Barzillai. Remember, when I was in trouble and I was fleeing, this man is a man who came with provisions and took it. So remember. Then again, you see, you have with you Shemai, the son of Gera, a Benjaminite from Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan. I had swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless. For you are a wise man, and you know what you ought to do to him, and bring his gray hair down to grave with blood. Basically, he is talking about two people, three people. One, remember to do good to them for their father's sake. For their father's sake. Okay? Other two, don't forget. There is no change. So far, there is no change in either one of them. So watch over them. So these two things are important. Okay? Because our God never forgets. Never forgets the good. He says, I will never forget the good that you have do, done. So he says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Because I remember, you know, sometimes many of the good we reap is because of the good of our forefathers who are believers did and God remembers. He says, I will not do because I remember David. Because I remember David. And David, when he is king, he realized one of the reasons, other than God, one of the human reasons he's got the throne is that in his crisis, there was a man called Jonathan who put his life ahead of David. Right? He kept David alive. So he says, now I want to show mercy to somebody in the household of Saul for Jonathan's sake. Remember. These are important things because one of the big, why do people, like I said, one of the most dangerous issues of the last days as the Bible shows is the, the attitude of ingratitude. And the reason is people forget. People forget. Okay, People forget. They forget. You see, even when you reach somewhere in life, it is like a ladder. You reached here. But to reach here, there are so many steps you had to take. And these are the people who God put there in the way to help you. And when that time comes and you see they are in need, and God says, don't shut your eyes. Remember. And maybe they do not need, but somebody else needs. People forget. And this is a very dangerous thing. This is why David is a very, you see, David realized he was fleeing and so many people helped him and he was fleeing. So after um, everything is burned down at Ziklag, when he is pursuing the enemy, he sees a wounded man over there and he stops. He stops because he knows in his life many people stopped. Stopped. That is why we should be very, very Careful to see that we are no sunsuno, uh, so caught up in our work. We need to look around. We need to look around because life is, is some total of things we forget and we remember. And God remembers and God says, I will remember in the same way. Repentance is connected to these things. So the first thing God says is, is remember, remember, okay? remember. And after that comes that word. 
Remember, therefore, yeah, come to Revelation 2. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Where you have fallen. No, when we talk to children, we'll always say, you know, why are you like this? You were never like this, remember? You need to have a point where you can, a reference point should be always there, no? Always a reference point is there, no? No? You were not like this. Remember from where you have fallen. Okay, where you have, a reference point is all, in any area in life, there is always a reference point in life. And that's what he's saying. Remember therefore from where you have fallen and you have the word repent. Repent. Okay, repent and do the first work. So the word repent is probably the most misunderstood and ignored word currently in the Bible. But the first word in the gospel of the kingdom of God is the word repent, not believe. Not believe. It is not love, it is not mercy, it is not grace, it is not compassion, it is none of these things. The first word is repent, because the fact is that if we don't repent, we cannot receive anything else. If we don't repent, we cannot believe. Truly believe till the end. We can believe for a little while maybe, but we cannot really, really believe for it to have a lasting effect on it. So the first word in the Bible is repent. It is not anything else. In Matthew 21, in KJV, if we can put it in KJV, in Matthew 21 and verse 32, 21, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And yea, when you had seen it and repented not afterwards, that you might believe him. God is saying something. You saw all these things. You know why you were not able to believe? You were not able to believe because you did not repent. You did not repent. Okay? You did not repent. And that's, that's the key thing. Remember, this is a fundamental issue with both with God and man. This is an issue with which we struggle because the doctrine of repentance is absolutely scripturally established right in the Bible from Genesis 3 or onwards all the way till the end. And uh, we will look at it in detail because to the five churches, God will ask out of the seven, the call is to repent or else. In Psalm 11 and verse 3, the Bible says, If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? The question, okay? The foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? The question is, what will he do? The structure will collapse because it is held together by the foundations. And one of the most important foundations of the kingdom of God for mankind that is in the church the enemy has been deliberately and deceptively been working on is removing the foundations and the first foundation is the doctrine of repentance if you go to Hebrews chapter 6 we look at the six foundational uh, teachings and Jerry Prince has got an entire book called Foundation. The first thing is, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of what? 
repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Okay, that's how it goes. It's not faith towards God. You cannot have faith towards God without repentance. In Matthew 1, 3, 1 and 2, we need to understand. Matthew chapter 3, 1 and 2, when John comes, he's the foreigner who's going to make the way for Jesus. He came preaching in the wilderness saying, repent. The reason is given. Why should we repent? Because the kingdom of God is here. Okay, And he made it the centerpiece of his entire core of his ministry. And we will tell you why. Go to John chapter 8, 31, 32 and John 17, 17. Familiar verses. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so he brings over something which is called the word truth and the word belief. Because the thing is that we all believe. There's nobody who does not believe. Everybody believes. Only question is whether what you believe is true or not. That is the only question. It's not a single, unless they're mentally unstable, it's not a single human being who does not believe in something. Because if you don't believe in something, you will go mad. So you have to believe in something. The only question is this. What you believe is it true or not? The nature of truth is this. In John 17, 17, God says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The nature of truth is this. God is truth. So in the, in the, the whole nature of truth is because God is truth. Truth cannot change. That's why he says, my word is forever settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away. What we see, this creation, is <coughs> is not everlasting. Everlasting. It will pass away. What is everlasting is God's word. It is that truth. That truth won't change. So when we are asked to repent, you need a standard to repent. And the standard is God. The standard is Jesus Christ. So for man, Jesus came in the flesh, so he becomes a standard. So God says, I'm confirming every one of you to the image of my son. That is the standard. And we get to know those standards through the ministry of the word of God. So we need to understand when the word of God says repent, you cannot repent unless you have the word. Unless you have a repent basically means to change. The question is change to what? What is the standard? Where should I change? How should I change? Show me what should I change to? And God says, change to my son. That's why he's called the word. Okay. So in repentance, there is two things. Okay. First thing is, Ephesians 4 will put it very beautifully, 22 to 24. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Okay. That first two words, that you Put off, you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. So repentance is putting off. Faith towards God is putting on. Because repentance in itself does not have power. Because every religion has repentance. And every man repents. 
But that's a process of your thinking. Because, I mean, I mean, why are we all not sitting here in dhoti? Because we changed our mind. All changed. Why are all the women not wearing saris? Because you changed your mind. Now, repentance is not a negative word in that way. No, okay. You don't have great repentance has three factors, but not always these three factors play in the same way. Okay, play in the same way. So here, repentance you can, but repentance without faith towards God has no meaning. Eternally, it will have no value at all. So repentance and faith towards God is putting off whatever is connected with the old man and putting on whatever is connected with the new man. And the new man is Christ. That is why he is the last Adam. The old man is Adam. The new man is Christ. Putting off and putting on. Now, give me that honey. Your, your dupeta. Yes. Now I can put this on. I can put this on. Do you know what I did? I put it on without putting off. Now when the going gets tough, it gets very hot. What I will do first is put off the new man and go with the old man. Because I never took off the old man. That's what I do. And you look at every teaching of Jesus Christ, he says, that is basically what happens with people. They don't put away the old man and put the new man. Instead, they just put the new man over the old man. And when the going gets tough, you know what is the first man you shed? You shed the new man and go with the old man. That is the issue in the kingdom of God, in the church for 2,000 years. What is happening is... Everybody repents. What do they do? They put on the new man over the old man. And then, <laughs> when the going gets tough, it is easier to put away the new man and to run with the old man. Okay? That is what happens when we believe without repenting. Okay? So we will see in the beginning of the covenant, new covenant, it's a new covenant. The new covenant. New covenant means you have to put away the old covenant. Because the old covenant is for the old man to restrict him from creating damage to the society and to himself. It doesn't change the old man. It's a restrictive covenant. Okay? But if you are a new man and you try to walk under the old covenant, the new man is a free man. He is restricted from doing what he is supposed to do. By the old covenant is to restrict the old man from what he is not supposed to do. But if you are a new man, the problem is the old man will restrict you from what you are supposed to do. Okay? So when the new covenant comes, the book of Hebrews says the old covenant has been put away. Has been put away. Okay? So the forerunner or the precursor of the new covenant is John the Baptist. So he comes and what is the new covenant? What is the new covenant usher? It ushers in the kingdom of God. It brings the kingdom of God. So God says, repent! For the kingdom of God is near. Okay? The kingdom. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Meaning, the old man cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, put off the old man. Put on the new man so he can inherit the kingdom of God. That is how it works. This is how it works. 
Okay, so the question is, what should I put off? Because the kingdom of God is near. The thing is, the kingdom of God is an entirely different structure. It's an entirely different life. See, when we teach about faith, 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 okay? When we teach about faith, and much of the teaching is true, okay? But the issue is this, like two Sundays back, we had the teaching of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, okay? But when people hear the teaching of Bartimaeus, they will only take it at one level of getting things from God connected with this material life. They don't see faith as life. Faith is a completely different life and therefore the contradiction, the, the contrast is you shall walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is the way the old man walks. Faith is the way the new man walks. So it is a complete, you sh- my righteous shall live by faith. So if you live by faith, it is a complete, total, all-encompassing life. That is faith. And actually it is the life of Christ. So if we restrict faith to getting things from God, the old man is very excited. Very excited. Because the old man has many needs in his life, but he only looks at faith like money. Okay? It's like, what is money for? For getting things. Getting things. That's the only purpose of money. It is what is for buying and selling. That is the purpose of money. Money is basically used to get things. And he sees faith only as getting things from God. He's not seeing faith as something, as life. So we have to be very, very careful about it. So the old man gets very excited. So what happens is the old man will always run to see where he can get more. Okay? Like there are three pastors standing in a line. Okay, so there are three pastors standing in a line. One pastor is offering Bangladesh taka. Another pastor is offering Indian rupees. Another pastor is offering dollar. Everybody will run. One who started with taka will run to the dollar because purchase him. That is how people chase miracles. Because it's only to get. Another prophet has come. Mighty man of God. So many miracles. Now he's, he's only running to get. He's not running to love. God says that is fine, but remember these are all signs. He says you get stuck with the signboard. He says you will go down one day with the signboard. This is our danger. This is our danger when we see life only in terms of getting. That is a child. Okay, what is a child interested in? Only in getting. Now you see children struggling here. It's because they. Some of the struggles is genuine because they are struggling to receive. Because some of the words, concepts may be a little big for them. Yet, in every sentence, there will be two words they understand. But they are, they are not interested in getting any of these things. Now you, I stop preaching and Sammy puts a cartoon over here. You will see nobody is distracted. Nobody. But you will see all the older ones are now distracted. Because they are not interested in getting that. But they are interested in getting this. Did you see what happens? Okay, I don't know. Some older ones also watch cartoons. <laughs> also watch cartoons. Okay. So the kingdom of God, the first, first call of Jesus, of, uh, 
offer john jesus peter paul everybody in the bible the first to call is repent why for the kingdom of god is here he says you have to put away this pattern of thinking and therefore this pattern of living because as a man thinks so he is. so you have to put away this pattern of thinking and this pattern of living put on this pattern of thinking and this pattern of living why the kingdom of god is here and the kingdom of god is a pattern of living repent 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 so why should it be because in revelation chapter 11 after a series of unbelievable you can believe it ultimately it will happen but unbelievable judgments you know what will happen 1115 and uh, not 1115 yeah 1115 revelation 1115 the seventh the sixth angels have sounded bowls have been opened plague after plague judgment after judgment we are coming to the finale finally when the seventh trumpet blows the bible says there were loud voices in the heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our lord and of his he says ultimately the kingdom of god will smash every other kingdom whether you like it or not you will be allowed under jesus 1000 year reign to live only in one way there will be no two ways man will be allowed to what is that you will be allowed to live only sinless sin will not be manifested on earth for a thousand years though people are sinful they will not be allowed to sin that's why he will rule with a scepter of iron so he says repent because it's coming it's coming so better put it on he says now put it off and put it on that is how the call goes okay that's call and every knee shall bow every tongue confess jesus is lord so you need to we need to understand repentance in the bible precedes everything else forgiveness remission of sins the gift of the holy spirit or new birth everything it precedes it and repentance is mandatory in the bible if one has to grow in faith the new man has to grow otherwise arundhati otherwise you will be like the generation that came out of israel they wandered and wandered and wandered and they died in circles if you ask them where are you going they will say promised land and if you listen to their conversation you will know what they are thinking they are thinking egypt but going to the promised land and you can't you can't is it the promised land is a different kind of a life what are you thinking what are you thinking you are not going to eat what you ate in egypt there you are not going to work the way you worked in egypt there you are not going to live the way you lived in egypt there everything is different so you know you know what that's why they were not able to possess so we need to understand what the bible is talking about because like i said if you take god out of the picture repentance is just common and normal so the first thing we need to understand is and we know that our salvation is not the salvation of our body a body just like a shirt a cloth a dress we put away we'll all put away our dress one day our our body our real person is our soul 
Okay, the real person Arundhati is your soul, and your soul is distracted. Though your body is firmly sitting there motionless in that, it's not distracted. Your soul is distracted, and the real person is the soul inside. Can't see it, but it is real. Our body is not real. We'll put it away. But the soul is real. And the soul has three parts. One is our mind. It's very important. Very important part is our mind. The second is our emotions. I'm not putting in that order. Okay. And the third is our will. Salvation. If you look at 1 Peter 1.12, if I'm right. What is salvation? What is the end of our faith? The end, okay, 110, I think. Yeah, 110, okay, 110. Uh, oh, yeah, 9, 9, look at 9. Uh-huh. Receiving the end of your faith. What is that? The salvation of your soul. If we run our race to the end, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. To the end of our salvation, our mind will be completely transformed into the mind of Christ. Our emotions will be completely transformed like the emotions of Christ. And our will be completely surrendered to the will of God. That is the end of salvation. Most won't reach there. It's the truth. You can't, uh, it's not that you cannot reach there. Cannot reach there, but most won't reach there. Okay, because God will never ask us to do something which is impossible. So you have three components, that is the mind, the emotions, the will. And for repentance to be permanent, okay, it has to involve all three. Arundhati, all? What are the three? Will. Okay, I'll ask you a question. That's the best way to get children, students to remember. Okay, your mind is your intellect. Okay, come to Psalm 51.4 and Luke 18.30. Against you, you only, I have sinned. Done this evil in your sight. You may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Okay. There is personal accountability. No blame game. I am wrong. You are right. Okay. It happens with God. It happens in a marriage. It happens in a home. It happens in a church. You see, you look at the system. This is the truth. The husband is right. The wife is right. This is the truth. The standard is not the husband. The standard is not the wife. Or the standard is not the father. The standard is not the mother. The standard is God. And when you look at it and you will say, you know what? I was wrong. You are right. The mind comes to that. But the standard, remember, the problem is the standard in many cases where conflicts are never resolved. The standard is not God. Not his word. What did God say? It's not the standard. The word of God is not the standard. So these things will never, repentance and faith towards God and all these things will not happen unless you hold up this standard and says this standard is the standard. Unchangeable. Forever and ever. This is the standard. I am not the standard. You are not the standard. That's why wives and husbands, the most intimate, therefore difficult relationship, he says, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. So the Lord is the standard. 
The Lord is the standard. That is where it comes. As long as, and that's one of the reasons, either deliberately or deceptively, the enemy stops people from hearing and listening to the word of God. Because the problem is, if you read the word of God and keep listening to the word of God, the standard is getting fixed in your mind. And you will be able to say, yeah, you said it, but it is written. You said it's a very powerful voice, but it is written. You said it, but it is written. What did God say? What did God say? Because the standard is coming up over there. That is where the issue comes in. So here David is there. He is fallen, but he is making the very clear intellectual, mental, reaches the conclusion. You know what? I have sinned. Two, I have done this evil. Because the standard is you. Standard is not Bethsheba. She's forgotten. The people are least bothered. The palace is quiet. The land is peaceful. None of these things matter because that, they are not the standard. They are not the standard. Even my wife is not the standard. My counselors are not the standard. The country is not the standard. The standard is you. So against you, you only, because you know you need to realize we can sin actually only against God. Even when we sin against man, it is possible only because God said, if you do this against man, then you sin. But if your society does not have the knowledge of God and you change the laws or the laws you have imbibed is different, then you don't sin against them because you have no conscience. Like I tell you, in American Indian tribes, we used to call the Red Indian tribes. Okay, Now, in a Red Indian tribe, let us imagine this is a Red Indian uh, tribe called Apache. Okay, if Emmy steals from Amun, it's a crime, punishable severely. But now she is Sioux. She is not Apache. She is another tribe. She is not a friendly tribe. Okay. Now, if Emmy goes and steals Kritika's horse, she is a hero. Same act. Same act. Same act. Because they do not have the standard of who God is, of truth. So you will see, this is the issue. In religion, you will see the standard is man or man-made gods. So you look in any religion of any world, there is no God who is consistent. In Hinduism, which God do you pick as a standard? Absolute standard. Actually, you look around, even the best of the best has flaws. So you don't have a standard. Have a standard. Okay. When Islam talks about absolute surrender to Allah, Islam does not tell you who Allah is. That's the problem. So the prophet, it cannot be a standard. So the compromises are made according to the prophet. You can have five eyes because the prophet had. You can do this because the prophet had. You can do this because the prophet had. Because you have no knowledge of who God is. You will talk inshallah, inshallah. But who is Allah? You don't know. But when Jesus came, he says, I have come to reveal the Father to you. And if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Our standards are the same. There is no difference. There is no difference. This is where the issue comes in. Until we tackle these issues, the reason is we will not reach the end of our faith. We may be saved, but we will not reach the end of our faith. So this is David. If you go to Luke 18 and verse 13, 
the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven he bit his he beat his breast and said god be merciful to me a sinner personal come to that i am i am the one the sinner period no blame game so the mind comes to that second the emotional part second corinthians 7:10 so godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted but the sorrow of the world produces death so the bible is showing that in repentance there is sorrow but be very careful sorrow without faith towards god will lead to death sorrow with faith towards god will lead to salvation because in every repentance there is some level of sorrow regret for loss i mean you didn't basically do anything to others but you did to yourself so there is repentance but the, and there is sorrow like lot of young people you meet a lot of young people in their 20s 30s you meet there's a lot of regret one thing when i was in school and college i should have studied should have studied i wasted my time bunked classes when they thought it was a great time but now i am at this age and i'm running from pillar to post i'm not able to get a job now who did you sin against primarily yourself there is repentance but there's no faith towards god that repentance leads to death Okay so please understand when it talks about one is the mind the intellect the second is the emotion so emotion the sorrow part of it regret sorrow part of it can be intense intense depending upon whatever the sin is or it can be very mild depending it depends okay every, because if you demand for every little sin you have to have intense sorrow you will be a nervous wreck sometimes you don't even have don't need that it's okay yeah fine not again and you move on okay but sometimes it is intense if you look at second samuel chapter 12 verses 15 to 17 then nathan departed to his house and the lord struck the child that uriah's wife bore to david and it became ill okay he has sinned he is convicted and now and david therefore pleaded with god for the child david fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground so the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground but he would not nor did he eat food with them how many days seven days it's intense it's intense okay because intensity is connected okay like we say in english the time is according to the crime Okay, if you if you steal a chicken, and if you rob a bank, both is stealing. For the chicken, the judge will wrap you and give you a fine and says go. But for robbing a bank, you may get ten years. So the intensity is not always the same. Though outwardly the nomenclature may be the same, stole. The question is, what did you steal? What did you steal? Okay, so that is where it's coming. If you look at Luke chapter twenty-two, and verse sixty-one and sixty-two, 
And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered. Okay, remember has come again. What? The word of the Lord. If there was not a word before, then he has nothing to remember. I mean, even if everybody abandons you, I will not. And so said, you know what? Tomorrow before the crop crows three times, you will. And then, Kukriko, the cockroach. Okay? For the Western rooster is different. It goes cockadoodle do. It's different because okay, because they went to convent school. Okay, so their their cry is different. We went to Indian schools. So our cry is different. Okay. So the Bible says he remembered. And what did he do? He went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. So you need to understand. He went out and wept bitterly. The intensity of it. Why? Okay. Okay. You woke up in the morning and you rushed out. You forgot to feed your dog, your cat, your cow, your oxen, everything. You rushed and then evening you came back and you realized you betrayed them. You don't weep bitterly. That's also betrayal because they trusted you. Their lives are dependent upon you. You betrayed them. Then you don't go out and weep bitterly. So this is also connected with whom you betrayed. See, these are all common terms. So we take betrayal, no stealing, lying, all these things. Amen lies to Emmanuel. That's also lying. Had to be told, don't lie to each other. Amen lied to her father. It's not the same. It's not the same. Though both are lies, they are not the same. What will Emmanuel say when you find out? Kati, I won't talk to you. The father says, come here. He doesn't say, you lie to me? Kati, you won't say that. <laughs> okay. So please understand, though it is the same, that is why David gets it very clearly. He says, I've sinned against you. That changes the whole picture. Against you, I have changed. And then the remorse of it is intense. Mm. Because of my guilt, my action, a child is dying. Death has come into the picture. Intense. And Peter, it's not about who he, that he betrayed. It is who he betrayed. Who he betrayed against. So, sorrow, grief is dependent upon the situation. And third is the will, Luke 15, 18, and then 20. What did he say? I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. So he brings his standard there. He brings the standard there. He doesn't say, I will say, Father, I have sinned against you. Then the father is the standard. Father is not the standard. Heaven is the standard. Okay. What if you grow up in a culture which actually changes all the norms like in California and all where you don't have to obey your parents? Even as a minor to take some of the most drastic decisions in your life, you don't have to consult your parents. So you cannot sin against your father because that's how you will grow up. So the standard is not your father. The standard is God. So I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
and verse 20. And he arose and he came. So the will has two things. First, the will comes to that conclusion and makes a confession. And second, the will does it. Some people only say, they don't do. Okay. Both has to come. This is where trust comes in. You see, if with God or with man, the issue with relationships is got to do with trust. So what will people say? Ah, he always says, but he never does. Meaning he says correctly or she says correctly, but there is no change in behavior. So if somebody were to be passing by, let us say on that day, this boy is saying it loudly. Okay, and one passerby goes at five in the morning, and this hears his smell. I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against my father. I will arise and go. Then nine o'clock, another person is going. He hears a boy saying the same thing. I hear. I just think. And then twelve o'clock, another person is by. He's saying the same thing because these three people, four people who passed that road at different times, never met each other. Each one will go with this conclusion: this boy's repentance is real. Because they only heard. But he never rose and went. He never rose and went. So the key is first coming to that conclusion, speaking it out, okay, in your mind or otherwise you speak it out and then you do it. But what is doing it? It's the will. The will has made a decision. Mind Emotions will have come together. The whole soul is involved in it. Now the body moves. He arose. The body is moving. Do you understand why God says, offer your bodies as a sacrifice, then by the renewing of your mind, don't conform to that pattern, that is the old man's pattern, but by the renewing of a mind, you will know what is the will of God, and understand when you start understanding the will of God, the body you surrendered, start using it for me. That's what he's doing. He arose. He arose. Okay. So now what is happening? It is repentance with action. Faith towards God. So you can see. Okay. Otherwise, if if you do not have faith towards God, show you. Go to Numbers 14 and verses 1 to 4. We'll go by words by words. Now all first let's read the four verses. So all the congregation lifted up their voices, cried, and the people wept that night. Ramba? And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Go to verse 1. Verse 1, first thing, emotions, great sorrow. Great sorrow. Verse 2, and they complained against Moses and Aaron. They have found these two are the culprits. I am not to be blamed. My wife is not to be blamed. My children are not to be blamed. They are to be blamed. Mind, intellectually, they have reached a conclusion, these two. And when it comes to verse 3, it is not just two, these two, their God. Fixed responsibility on God. And when you come to verse 4, the will has decided, you know what, we are going 
come back. This is also repentance in the wrong direction. Only the direction is wrong. The direction. This is also repentance. You were so far going forward to the promised land, but now with intense sorrow and a very clear intellectual point by point, you have rebutted all the reasons why you shouldn't go forward and found the culprits. It is not you. I haven't sinned. Aaron has sinned. Moses has sinned. God has sinned against us. Now what are we going to do? We have made a decision. Select a new leader. Go back. That's also repentance, but not faith in God. Not faith in God. So repentance, that's what the Bible is saying. Worldly sorrow will lead to regret. Will lead to regret. This is what the Chinese do with uh, engineering. It's called reverse engineering. Americans will spend billions and billions and billions do their research and find these incredible appliances and all. And the Chinese will steal it. Then they will work backwards to find how this works. This is repentance backwards. Okay. Dimas loved the world and left me. He went backwards. Now he's got intense sorrow for going with this man, this fellow called Paul. Intense sorrow. He reached his conclusion, if you go with this fellow, you will never prosper in life. Probably will end up in jail and die over there. Okay. It is better to go back. Okay. This is how it happens. Okay. You know what Jesus said? He said it very clearly in the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, 13 to 20. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. So there is a sower and there is the word. Okay, we good. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, holy emotions, and when they have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble the next one. These are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches or desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then he says, but these are the ones sown on the good ground. The question is, what is the good ground? It's very difficult to explain to people because they have never done any farming. When we grew up in primary school, once or twice a week, one of the subjects was farming. You had to do it. You Everybody had to have their own pots or were given plots in the school ground. So what is the good ground? There is rocky, there is road, there is stone, there is thorny, and there is good. But the good soil was once rocky, stone, and thorny. How did it become good ground? There is no good ground. Postcards, it is thorns and thistles and rocks. So how did it become good ground? What is the first thing you do? You break the fallow ground. 
That's the first thing you do. You have to break the fallow ground. Once you have broken nicely the fallow ground, you go through it, pull out every weed, everything else which shouldn't grow there, every stone, everything you throw it out. Because you don't like worms, don't throw the earthworms out. They are friends. They are not your enemies. So you break that ground, remove everything else, and then you plant the seed. Then you water it. Then you wait. Okay? So Jesus was telling, repentance is breaking the fallow ground. Repentance is breaking the fallow ground. Repentance involves taking out everything in that ground that should not be there, which will oppose the growing of the good seed. Habits. If you want to have a very, very strong family life, you have to put your phones away. Most people are married to their phones, including my wife. I think I told Pastor Vijay, if I die before my wife, don't forget when she dies to bury her two phones with her. And then write on the slab, even though she's dead, she still accepts calls. You have to put this away. <laughs> this is the problem. Everybody's problem is that, you know what? You cannot have faith towards God or faith towards man, which is relationship, until you break that fallow ground and take away the things that will stop the seed from growing properly. With God also. With God you need to have underpaid children. But you have to teach children slowly, slowly, slowly because attention is a discipline. Attention is a discipline. It is not that they have attention deficit. When they like what they like, they know how to attend. Undivided attention they will give. Only say that now. Practice to take that thing called attention. Apply it to the things which you don't necessarily like. That is a discipline. To do what you like, even a moron can do it. To do what you don't like because it is right, that is discipline. That is a disciple. Not what you like. Anybody can do what they like. The lazy fellow can sleep for hours together because he likes it. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, all of us like sleeping. Who doesn't like sleeping? Anybody who doesn't like sleeping, tell me. I will call you every 15 minutes from midnight. We all like sleeping. But the thing is that we have disciplined not to like the things we like and do the things which are right. Break the fallow ground. The old prophet will say, break the fallow ground. The first thing is break the famous or somebody yeah. said that. Yeah. Jeremiah's. Break the, yeah. break the fallow ground. First break, and God will say, even sir, don't rent your garments. Pointless. Rent your heart. Rent your heart. Okay? Rent your heart. If you go outside, you will see, Sajid cut down the drumstick trees. But Sajid was very smart. 
when the run and observe and then i understood what sajid sajid has been observing these trees though he never ate the fruit he found where three drumstick trees only one consistently gave fruit the other two was only occupying space so he went biblical you know what you know what he did he removed those two from the roots and then he pruned the one which has been giving fruit you read the book of john chapter 15 that is exactly what god says the ones that does not bear fruit he will pull it up and throw into the fire but that which bears fruit he prunes it even more god is using illustrations which is very everything you know you when you rake you have the big ones and then you have the small ones if you want to take the lice out of your hair you don't use the normal comb there is another one we used to see my sister screaming when my mother was doing it pulling it out all like that no that hurts you need to go through your life with something like that lord what is that offense you it won't look at your husband your wife and the people lord what is that offense you that is david lord look into my heart search my heart is there anything that offends you that is repentance he has a word i forgot what is that what kind of sins presumptuous sins keep you he says i do you have to help me because this ground is my heart and i don't know my heart help me god help me lord Okay, that's what he's talking about—the power of repentance. Okay, the power, and it is always towards God. It cannot be towards man, because so many people around you, including your spouses, will be after after some time tired of your repentance, because they don't want to change. So repentance has to be towards God, not towards man. That's why he's saying against you, creating me a clean heart. Bethsaba may not want a clean heart, but God wants. Okay, so you need to realize you have to. That is intentional because sometimes your repentance that is towards God can make the people around you very uncomfortable. But you are intentional towards God, not man. Repentance and faith is towards you are repenting because the standard is God, and faith is towards God, not towards man. Because man will be satisfied, man will be satisfied, and he will say this is too much. too much this is too much like in indian government officers have you seen any righteous officer last there for more than a year no because you said you are a trouble for us cuz and the problem is not him the problem is the others don't want to change others don't want to change so it happens in the kingdom of god too that's the issue over here that's what jesus is talking about so it is an essential doctrine or practice to some repentance is easy because early they have aligned their life and thinking though they may not know god their thinking was a very early what you call it Uh, i don't want to use the word programming <laughs> because it's a dangerous word now but okay that was was re- re- reiterated in their mind okay so like a, like i said remember on saturday the best thing a child can have is two godly parents godly righteous parents and jesus had two godly righteous simple semi literate but godly righteous parents 
parents. Second best thing a child can have is only one godly parent and the other doesn't interfere at all. Because the child is confused. Two voices will confuse. Two contradictory voices of authority will confuse a child. Okay. So if you look at one kid who grew up really, really well, it's a boy called Samuel. His father stays out of the picture. The mother is the one who's speaking to him. And she's a godly, praying mother. So she speaks into his life. Okay, So her mind is already set. So the Bible says she gives him over to the priest. The priest takes him, mentors him. And the Bible says he had never heard God speak till then. But his mind is already being structured by his mother that the day God speaks, he can receive it. There is no contradiction. No contradiction. That is the whole thing, the questions and the purpose of child or baby dedication. If you have noticed in all our child dedication or baby dedication, there is never a single question addressed to the child. Never. To the parents, do you agree? Grandparents, do you agree? Church, do you agree? If you all agree and do what you agree, the child will come to the Lord very easy. Because God will be able to speak to the child and there is no contradiction in the child's mind. No contradiction. This is what the Bible is talking about because there are voices. And there is only one voice that is true. Okay, So it is an essential doctrine, practice. Some it is very easy. Some it is very easy. Some it is very difficult. If you look at Daniel, extraordinary, unbelievable circumstances. Nation destroyed, slavery came 1,000 kilometers. You go through the screening. You have no choice. The king's people are screening you. Okay. First is looks. Okay. Six feet. Okay. All six feet stand this side. So, the next, good looking, fair, Decide. Next, no blemish. Because this is because you have to stand before the king. So you went without, you had no choice in it, screening and finally you are among a selected few. Maybe a few hundreds. And then you've been selected to the king's academy. And then it's the eating time, the dining table. It's like a buffet. And then the Bible says, he purposed in his heart. Why was it so easy? That's where his mind was structured. It was easy for him to take a decision. Okay. So he didn't have to repent there. It was very easy. So what we are trying to do with this generation is to make it easy for them one day to follow God. It's not difficult. Easy for them to follow God. Doesn't have to be difficult. Okay. Because they are living in the same kind of a world which Joseph or Daniel lived. Even more wicked world. Sanctioned by authorities. But they chose their decision. Why? Because that was how they were fractured. So you cannot take, if you take repentance out, everything falls out. You take that one word out of the Bible. Then you have to put the Bible away. Cannot have redemption. Cannot have salvation. And God is not righteous, God is not holy, God is not merciful, God is not love, God is not any of these things. If you take that one word out, and that is a word that has been taken out. That is a word that has been taken out. Okay? 
Some may not be easy. Some may be very stubborn. Okay, now we are not talking about the world. We are talking about the church. We don't, now we are talking, there is a repentance priest outside. There is a repentance priest inside. Repentance is still the way you die. Till the day you die, you are changing, you are changing, you are changing, you are changing, you are changing. Look at how God uses. Turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, and then we will stop for today. And Revelation after that, 20 to 23. I have a few things against you. Who is this you? The pastor and the church. Because you have there, who in your church, those who hold the doctrine of Bala, meaning, there are people who are holding a doctrine which is against the doctrine of Christ. Who taught, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idols and to commit sexual immorality. It does not mean these people taught that, but they hold a doctrine of Balaam which is a doctrine of covetousness about money. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Now, to this church, God is saying, repent. Repent. To the other church, he said, repent or else, I will do this. Here he says, repent or else, I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So what does it mean? He says, every situation, if you don't repent, what I do is not identical. In this case, it's a doctrinal issue. If you do not do what I will do, I will raise people among you who have the right doctrine. I will divide your church and prove who is approved by me. That's what he's saying. I will, I will cause separation in your church based on doctrine. That's the sword of his mouth. So we have to be very careful about how does God deal with people, churches, institutions that don't repent. There, they have nothing to repent of in doctrine. Doctrinally, the church of Ephesus is 100% good. They have an issue. They don't have the first love. They don't have that old passion. So God says, you are doctrinally right, so I don't have to tell you to change this, this, this. Everything is fine. But the problem, your heart is not in it. No, This is the one thing which I tell people. You know, even when I tell young people, when you pick a, after, by the time you reach 10, class 10, class 11, you are already structured your mind in a particular way. You know which subject you like. Pastor Vijay likes maths and engineering. I like literature. If he were to be called from one of these universities and says, Pastor Vijay, can you come and give a lecture on robotics? And he asks me, I will say go. If any university asks me to come and give a lecture on Shakespeare, I will go because your heart still loves it. I tell people, most of the people who are working today work in areas they don't love. Their heart is not in it. They are terrible workers, therefore. So whenever you pick something ultimately in life, pick something where your heart is. You love. You love it. So even now he loves robotics. And if you buy his children a robot, they will not play with it. He will play with it. Because that that's where he, says, he loves it. It's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Now God is saying this church is doing everything, absolutely everything is fine. But you know, their heart is not in it. Heart is not in it. This church, he says, you got an issue. Your issue is doctrine. 
Repent. So how do they repent? They have to repent by getting their doctrine right. And those who are in doctrinal error, make them silent. You will not be allowed to preach. You will not be allowed to share in this assembly anymore. Because your doctrine is wrong. Okay. You go to another place. Revelation 2, 20 to 23. Now this is different. Okay. 20 to 23. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So there is somebody there, it's a woman, and is compared to the Jezebel of the old days. She calls herself a prophetess, meaning she's not a real prophetess, but calls herself a prophetess. But the problem is that she prophesies and therefore exercise authority because prophetic gift is a very powerful gift because everybody wants to know the future. These are the astrologers in the, within the kingdom of God. And second, she teaches. But her teaching is seductive which will cause people to live a loose life. It's a teaching that sanctions it. The pulpit is not strong in convicting and condemning those things, it just says, it's okay, it doesn't matter, everybody does it, it's okay. Okay? And to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now God is saying, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. So God says, I gave time, I want them. Gave them time, but they are not repenting. So what will I do? Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. So he says, you know what I will do? In this case, I will not remove the lampstand. In this case, I don't come and fight with the word. I will touch their bodies. I will afflict their bodies. I will afflict. I will cast her into a sick bed. And all those who received her teaching and practiced her teaching, what will I do? I will put them into great tribulation until they repent of their deeds. So you need to understand this word nevertheless. And what will I do to her children? I will kill her children with death. Why? Because these are the progeny of a compromised doctrine. They will create even more havoc. That's why when he is saying, enter into Canaan, kill everyone, including the children. Because these children are more dangerous than the parents. The parents had a semblance of ethics. The children have nothing at all. If they grow up, they will do double the damage of the parents. So kill them. You need to understand how God deals with situations. So when God says, repent and do, we need to ask ourselves, study through these five churches and says, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Right? Because the solution is according to the problem. Okay, we are not giving you what you call a broad spectrum antibiotic. No, you need to find out whether your infection is bacterial or it viral. Because antibiotic won't work if it is viral. Okay. That's the difference between going to a doctor and a practitioner. <laughs> practitioner has five medicines. Doctor wants a report. This report of the doctor is here. Five churches, the report is here. To every one of the churches, one word is used. What is it? Repent. 
The church in Ephesus, it is reiterated. Repent. Twice is mentioned. Repent. Repent. So we have to look. You can't, you cannot run away from this. You cannot run away from this. Okay. But it's always used. If you look at it, Jesus picked it up. As soon as John was silent, if you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, and then verse 17. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. One, to save his own life before time. He doesn't, should not die before time. Okay, so he heard John. Why was John put into prison? Because he preached repentance. If you don't preach repentance, you will have no trouble in your life, in your church, even in your home. If the husband doesn't tell the wife change, or the wife doesn't tell the husband change, there's no trouble. Stay as you are, stink as you are, do what you want. No problems. If you tell these children, put them all in a room and say, live like pigs, they are happy. The minute you say, wake up, trouble starts. <laughs> Go brush your teeth. Go wash your face. Come eat the breakfast quickly. Do your homework. You know what? What is that? Repentance. <laughs> change. 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 And you know because they are children and they have not exercised their will, every day they have to repent, cause to repent in the same thing. Let me ask you this question. All these children sitting over here, which one wakes on its own every day at the regular time? None. So they have to repent every day. <laughs> How do you know somebody has repented? Because now you don't have to tell that person to do what is right anymore, does it? It has become its nature. That's faith. It has become its nature. You don't have to tell them to repent. So when Jesus heard John had been put into prison, why was he put into prison? Because he preached repentance. First thing Jesus did is a very practical thing. He didn't go to the same pulpit and preach because he also will be put in prison. So what did he do? He went to Galilee. He went to Galilee. But he never changed the message. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So one is a very practical thing. But if he had come, to verse 17 and says, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, the kingdom is at hand. You don't have to repent. That means he compromised. He tried to save his skin alone. No, he didn't change the message. Because the message cannot be changed. The reason a message cannot be, whenever a message cannot be changed, you need to understand the message is true. It is true. It is eternal. It will never can never change. Can never change. So, after giving all the commendations and then the very strong indictment, God gives this solution. For the solution, the first word is remember. Remember. Okay? So, with these children, you know what? What are we trying? They don't have nothing to remember. Okay, very small, most of them. Some of them have things to remember. Okay, remember. I used to hear uh, my children talk, no, uh, when they were small. Uh, I hear them over here. <sighs> Lala, daddy today scolded me. He scolded you? <laughs> you don't know. 
once he broke a ladle when he spanked me they are they are discussing uh, discipline So both are using their memory banks and says, "I remember." But with these children, you know, they have nothing to remember. This honestly, they should not have anything to remember what is bad. They should remember all that is good. If you, what you are feeding into them and their learning is everything good. So one day when they fail, they can revert back and remember what was right. That's what he's telling the church in Ephesus. You're good, 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 good. Nevertheless, remember. So one thing is there in their database. And some people don't have it. Like I said, so many people's relationship with God is like an arranged marriage. They have no database of the first love. They just got saved. Because somebody said, go to the front. And what should I do? Repeat whatever the pastor says. They went. They said, and the pastor said, you are saved. So he believed you are saved. He doesn't know what is deep conviction. He doesn't understand the love of God, the mercy of God, and this thing. So Simon is sitting over there, and this woman is here washing his feet with his tears. Simon's and hers is different experience. And he's saying, Simon, 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 you know why she's washing my feet? Because what is happening inside, you don't see, I see. So we need to understand this fundamental, fundamental, fundamental thing. Okay, why? Because the kingdom of God is near. Last two verses and we shall turn. We shall pray. Acts 20.21 and 26.20. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance is towards the standard is, and faith is towards, because he is the one who died for us. Okay, Repentance towards God, and if there is no shedding of blood. Okay, there are, Remember, there are three withouts in the Bible. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of? Okay, Remission of? Without faith, it is impossible to please? And without me, you can do nothing. Remember, if you forgot the whole message, remember these three withouts. If you ever try to live with these three withouts, you will die. Three withouts. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's why faith towards Christ. He's the only one who shed blood for us. Second, without faith, it's impossible. So don't even try to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God. You want to please God, you need faith. And third, in John 15, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent. That is the me in you and me. Don't try to do anything without him. You can do nothing. Okay. Therefore, we have to repent. But declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea, gender the Gentile, that they should repent and turn to God and then do the works befitting repentance. That is transformation. Let's have Peter. So children, what did you understand while Peter is coming on the screen? Give me the three withouts. Not the Kerala without. There in Kerala, if you go to a tea shop and say without, it means without sugar. 
what without there is okay second one no without faith without faith who can complete it is impossible to please god and the third one without me you can do nothing see six monkey sat there and they sat like the monkey in that cell phone hear no good see no good speak no good let's <laughs> have peter So what was the most repeated word you heard today? Repent and remember. Very good. Remember, repent and repeat what you did in the beginning. Okay? You didn't hear the word repeat, but repent is the word you heard. Repent, repent, repent. It's a change of mind. A change of direction. Change of desire. Okay? So your head is involved. heart is involved your whole body is involved there's a change of mind the change of desire the change of direction what did the first generation want to go they had a change of mind they had a change of desire and a change of direction backwards they wanted to go back to egypt that's also repentance 
but in the wrong direction. Not towards God, but away from God. And that's how you ask yourself each day, am I going towards God or slowly I'm going away from God? You don't go very fast. You go slowly, 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 slowly away. So slow, sometimes you will not be able to notice it. Okay? Very slow. That's why you need to ask, Lord God, my heart. Check my heart. He's a heart specialist. We will pray. This is the last day of July. Seventh month is over. Father, this morning we thank you, Lord, for the children, Lord, it's always. There's so much joy, Lord, when children are there, Lord. They bring a different kind of joy, O oh Master, with their innocence, O oh Lord. We just thank you for all our children once again who are here present who are absent wherever whichever part of the world they are in all our children continue to bless them continue to speak over them this will be a children set of children a generation like samuel will walk with you all the days of their life a generation that will know you and do mighty deeds a generation who will not be flattered by the Antichrist and his peace system. A generation that will be sold out to God, our Master. We pray for our little ones, Lord, that they will grow up in your presence like that. Loving you with all their heart, all their mind, all their strength. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for seven months. Thank you for bringing us through. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness, your thank goodness. You, thank you, thank you, Lord. Till this morning, till this hour. Thank you, we are standing here alive because your mercies were you, new this today. Thank you, Lord. Your goodness. You shone your face upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You are good. You are good. You are, good. You are always good, O Lord. Thank you, Father. And I pray, Father, the word we have heard today. Your spirit would strengthen us. You truly keep turning every day, little or more, difficult in the world. Help us to have the resilience of Joseph and Daniel to stand. To stand against the floor. To be thrown into the lion's den if needed. To be incarcerated if needed. But never to recant. Help us, Lord. Help us, help us, Lord. Help us. Yes, Lord. This morning, once again, Lord, I commit all your children everywhere. Yes, Lord. Especially those who are in the battlefront, Lord, the political battlefront, yes, Lord. the legal battlefront, yes, the Lord. actual boots on the ground, Lord. Yes, Lord. All of them, Father, commit them into thy hands. Yes, Lord. And the unseen tens and thousands of prayer warriors, yes, Lord. Lord, praying day in and day out in our churches, Lord. Who have set themselves apart for it, Lord. A life of fasting and praying like another prophetess, oh Lord. There are tens and thousands. You see them. You know every one of them, Lord. And we commit them all into thy hands, oh Lord. And I pray, Father, uphold them with your right hand. Ace and RG and Keith. MQ. 
bride and children, Lord. All the prayer warriors in our churches, Lord. Uphold them, uphold them, uphold them, Lord. Let their hearts and mind be stayed on you, Father. That they'll be always aware whatever they are standing for and doing. It's for thy name, thy kingdom and thy glory. It never becomes about ourselves, O Lord. Let it be always be about you. Truly we should be able to say from our heart and confess with our lips. Thy name be hallowed. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. However uncomfortable our lives on earth may become, let it still be about your name you. and your kingdom and your will. Thank you. Because the accuser, the tempter is always there offering an easy way out. Bend and bow. You don't have to go through this route. But I pray give us the resilience to say no to him and yes to you each day Lord help us help us Lord help us thank you Father for every one of your children faithfully have stood there 